podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is Lewis Art for Boxing Social in association with Empire Fight Store and William Hill. Delighted today to be joined with Ben Shalom. We've been a week away, mate. It's been a, been a, been a quiet week for some of us, not all of us, but how's things, mate? How have you been? Yeah, quiet week. Um, good. Looking forward to this show. It's been a long time in the in the making. Obviously, Eubank Smith fell out. We tried to build that show as two main events. We had diff- two different press conferences. Gloves are off and Savannah Marshall gets to headline the Manchester Arena, having headlined the O2. And um, yeah, really looking forward to it. It's a, it's a, it's a huge fight for Savannah huge fight and obviously a huge fight for Tasha Jonas as well. And I want to ask you this same question after obviously the Adam Azim fight fell off, um, but how important is it that we have depth for Ricard um, after losing Eubank Junior Smith which is obviously, you know, that's a pay-per-view fight that was a box office fight, so how important is it to have card depth for you know, Savannah Marshall, Cruiser Zone, that's fine main event and even after you lose sort of Heffron and Chelly, Chelly stays on the card and you lose all these fights but it's important to have depth and at the end of the day the undercard aren't losing out from the big fights getting pulled. Yeah, I think the past six months, what's happened to our cards is unprecedented. Josh Taylor obviously got injured, lost a box office show there. Eubank Smith and Liam got injured and Adam Izzy main event. Shaquille Thompson, Mikel Lowell, Mark Heffron goes on and on and on. And um, look, I think our duty is to the fighters. Savannah Marshall, we actually considered whether we would go to Newcastle. But we spoke to Savannah, she sold that many tickets, that many train journeys, hotels. She's going to have thousands of fans there on Saturday night and it would have been completely unfair to, to move it and in the end it's been the right decision because it's uh, unbelievable the sort of attraction that she's become from, from where from where we were when we were headlining in Newcastle the first time thinking can we do this, is it going to work and, and she, certainly, she certainly had doubts and she's headlined twice in Newcastle, had one of the biggest fights in women's boxing and now fights at Manchester Arena so yeah when you have a chief support as strong as that it means the card can, can continue. I think Mark Jeffers against Zach Chelly could be fight of the night. I know Mark from for a long time. Um, I remember when I first started going down to Michael Jennings' gym and seeing him. He's a special talent, and I don't think people realise how good a fight that is. Zach Chelly won to take a, he'll take any opponent on any notice, but Mark Jeffers built to 15-0, big following up here. To just jump in like that is is special. Obviously, Callum Simpson in a tough type, tough fight. Boris Crichton has proven uh, on short notice against Lyndon Arthur in the uh, up at light heavyweight. Now he gets to go to his natural weight. He's been busy, he's been active with Steve Woodall as well. That's going to be a tough fight. Ben Whitaker, obviously a future superstar and, and someone's everyone's talking about on the card as well. So it's going to be a big night in Manchester. I think Tasha Jonas and Savannah Marshall both coming, hoping to become two weight world champions and um, it could be emotional for both of them. But yeah, must win fights for for both of them but particularly Savannah this is this is a crucial fight and to be fair we were looking at the rematch straight away with Clarissa Shields that was the one that Savannah Marshall wanted and she felt like she had the wrong game plan but as soon as that wasn't going to happen this was the fight that she wanted and I think once you fought fighting in those big fights at that big level you don't want to come back down and, and she wanted the biggest fight possible and that was Franchon Cruz. And that literally goes on to my next question. How much of a testament is this that she's gone from the Shields loss, she took that loss, her first loss in professional ranks, she could have easily gone and said, you know, I want to lay up, I want to sort of a tune up after this fight. She's gone now, nah, I, want, I want to go up to 168 and I want to fight, you know, for Undisputed there against Cruiser Zone. So that's a big testament to her character, would you say? Massive and uh, shows how far she's come and 
a speed to Peter and, and she he thinks he, he's, she's going to be a lot better, a lot more natural at super middleweight and, and it's something that she's been waiting to do for a long time but to see her development and headlining as I say for the first time like 12-18 months ago and, and done it again in Newcastle, sold out the O2 for one of the biggest nights in the sports history, it says a lot and she feels comfortable now at this level. You cannot buy the experience that she had and most fighters especially the women's sport at the moment will never have that sort of experience you cannot buy the level of scrutiny the level of awareness attention on that fight she's now been through that she's now dealt with that and she's going to be a much better fighter for it and um yeah she'll be she'll be looking to improve as a, as a fighter I've seen Natasha Jonas aiming to become a two-weight world champion. Um, do you feel like she's moving into 147 at the perfect time? We literally just had news a couple hours ago, Jessica McCaskill versus Sandy Ryan, that's a signed deal. She's sort of moving into the division at just the right time. Yeah, look, she, when she joined us, she was a lightweight. And then she won three world titles at super welterweight. And now, you know, it just kept happening. She just kept getting better and better. And we didn't imagine we'd be there after the first world title, then the second, then the third. And incredible journey. And the opportunity to become a two-weight world champion doesn't really happen very often. She actually has the opportunity to become a three-weight world champion. I can see her being down at super light, lightweight soon. I think she feels that at this stage of her career, she wants the biggest names that she always wanted. And I think for her, she feels the bigger fights for her are at welterweight and at super lightweight. Who knows what will happen in the future? But yeah, it's a huge opportunity for her to think that she might have retired without a world title. She now fights for a fourth. Uh, but yeah, the well-weight division with McCaskill and Sandy Ryan, like you said, it's big fights to be made. And also, I think she's got one eye on Katie Taylor and Chantal Cameron. That's a, that's the division she wants to be in. Another person that will definitely have eyes on uh, people on the same card is obviously Callum Simpson. He's back out. He's fighting Boris Crichton, which is obviously a, a tough fight in itself. No, no disrespect, but we was meant to see Zach Shelley versus Mark Heffron. And as a promoter, do you look at that and think, you know, Callum Simpson, you could see Callum Simpson v Zach Shelley or Callum Simpson v Mark Heffron very, very soon, you know, within the, within the year? Maybe, but Callum, Callum's one of those where I, I, I've, I've tried to explain this to him in the way Dan Aziz and Richard Riappel, we sort of picked up at similar stages of the career, sort of diamonds in the rough. Hadn't really got up beyond British level. Not saying he's at British level yet, but he's an established professional on the small horse scene, and we believe we've got a superstar on our hands, but a really, really talented fighter. Uh, with the fan base that he's got in Yorkshire and Barnsley, the, the sky is the limit for that guy. And um, we we think we might be taking him the international route. We'd like to see him. we like to build this guy to world level. That's where we see that he can go. And uh, Boris Crichton, after a guy that's that, you know, caused Lyndon Arthur to, to struggle a lot at times and, and he was only called in 24 hours before. Then he's been active with Steed Woodall and that was a close fight. But this is a must-win fight for Boris as well. So for Callum, it's a, it's a potential banana skin. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big test. And, um, but we believe he is, he is something special in that division. And, uh, yeah, as I say, Richard Riappo and Dan Aziz now at world level, one fight for a world title, one not for, far off. That's got to be the ambition for Callum Simpson and he's got the fan base to go with it as well and he's a good he's a good guy to be around, a fun guy to be around. He's loving every second of this experience and Kevin Marie was telling me about him for years and it took us a took us a while to, to, to get it all over the line and when we have he's just he's taken the opportunity by storm and uh, yeah he's looking forward to Saturday. Ben Whitaker, he's back out. Um sort of obviously we've already touched on him, but another thing I want to say, 
how quickly do you look at moving Ben Whitaker? Because he's a guy who's come from the Olympics. He's got you know, a lot, a lot of sort of hype around him. He's very different, very unique. How what, how do you look at sort of moving him to potential you know British title fights? Do you have sort of a certain amount of fights where you want to see him in big fights or 50-50s? Because he's getting good tests already in his third or fourth fight. Yeah, he is. I think the key as well is he's got something that money can't buy and he's a he's an entertainer he's a performer and to have fighters that are doing that from their pro debut is very rare you usually see fighters come into their own as they develop he knows this game inside out but he's a quality fighter as well and so he could fight a very very high level tomorrow I think the key is this is a superstar and when you see Kel Brook retiring and Amir Khan retiring and, and Tyson and even AJ towards the end of their careers we have to have future stars coming through and, and Adam Azim, Caroline Dubois are, are, are looking at that as well and thinking, I want to be the next one. I know Ben wants to be the next superstar in British boxing, so for us it's about making sure as many people see him as possible, making sure he, he, he can headline shows in the next 12 months. We don't want... There's a lot of people that become world champions and they can't sell out an arena. Ben Whitaker has a, a chance to sell out arenas, to be seen by huge audiences, and, and that's the focus for the next 12 months. And obviously he's highly touted by loads of promoters. I mean, when he first turned over a pro, so many fighters wanted him. And there's obviously, at the moment when you've got him, there does come antagonisation from other promoters who, who want to vie for his signature. But does it feel good that you've got him on a long term and you can keep him and you're the one that calls the shots? I think so. Look, we're just... I was saying before, when I look at our stable and we sit down on a Monday morning from where we're at, I have to pinch myself. I think many fighters were mentioned last week. Dan Aziz... Ben Waker, Caroline Dubois. This is a young stable. This is a stable that we developed, and this is a stable that's going to attract attention. And in 12 months, these are going to be household names, if not already, but household names. And uh, yeah, it's great that it's flattering. It's, um, it's, I believe, 12 months ago, we were looking at, uh, over at other people's stables saying, oh, I wish we had him. I wish we. Right now, I wouldn't swap our stable for anyone. I think we've got future superstars of the sport, and. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's such an exciting time because it's so early on. I think we're 18 months since our since our first show on Sky. And so to be sat here with the stable that we have, with the talent that we have, like, as you mentioned, Ben and, and, and the other guys we've mentioned and many more, it's, um, yeah, really exciting. And I know you're not one to get into a back and forth and... And I understand those things, but obviously you talked about your stable there and it's grown and grown. And with that comes antagonisation from other promoters and, um, and things like that. People sort of wanted to push you off your own path. So how do you deal with that sort of antagonisation? And is it important just to not get involved and focus on, on, on what you know and what you believe in? Yeah, I think so. Ultimately, I think it's a distraction tactic, whether for their own purposes or to try and distract us. But look, the best thing we can do is keep our head down. We've had a tough six months, I'll be honest. We had two pay-per-views we lost. We had to put on shows that we didn't necessarily want to put on shows because we, we want to give our fighters the opportunities and make sure they're continuing their build, and that's a long term. And so we've had to take a few hits in the short term, but this is, this is going to get stronger and stronger in our stable. It, when we first signed them, we're developing them. They're now starting to get... You've got Richard fighting for a world title. Dan Aziz getting to, the, to, to world level. You've got the cruiserweight division on fire. Chris Billen-Smith, Tasha Jonas, Savannah Marshall. These are guys that that have really excelled, but then to look at the talent that can follow in their footsteps from coming through, the Adam Azeems, the Lauren Prices, the Callum Simpsons, the Ben Whittakers, um, the Dubois, the Caris Artingstalls, Fraser Clark. It's, we don't want to get distracted from what we're doing. We have an amazing platform, the best platform, and, and, and things will only get better. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 
amazing and astonishing for me to even be sat here and, and, and be, be have, have so much attention on our stable. And um, in 12 months, they're going to be household names. So, yeah, very exciting. And how important is it to build for the future and invest in your fighters early? Because you see a lot of guys that will get them sort of when they're in their prime, but there's that sort of loyalty and there's that connection that you can get with a promoter where you get someone from young and you build them up and then you see, it sort of feels a little better in a way. Is it sort of good to have that feeling? Yeah, and I think that's why you want to, sometimes you have to take hits as a promoter for your fighters and make sure that they're protected and, and you do what's right for them. Um, and, and I think that pays back and look, you know, people say there's no loyalty in boxing, but I think on so you you know you have certain relationships where, where you you know you do have great relationships and you 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 enjoy so much seeing them develop. I think Dan Aziz, in particular, is one that it's just an unbelievable story for us and one of our proudest achievements. Same with Tasha Jonas. Even the, if you look at the fighters that have jumps. And you look at what's happened to their careers and the activity they've had and the development that they've had and the, the fact that they're now fighting for world titles or is, is, is great and, and, and we can only do the best for our fighters. They're our number one priority. And um, yeah, I think, as I say, look, it's a short career. Boxer, boxers have to do the right thing for them. But ultimately, when they know you've got their back and you're, you, you know, you're going to make sure you do their best for their career, then, then it goes a long way. Well, you just mentioned there about taking hits and obviously earlier in the year we lost uh, Josh Taylor versus Jack Catterall too and then there's potential of obviously Eubank Jr., Eubank Jr., Liam Smith is up in the air. Do you feel sort of pressure where you've sort of lost two, two you've lost two box office, you potentially lose two box office fights this year through no faults of your own but do you feel pressure that there's some sort of pressure to deliver after losing the sort of two box office fights? Not really. I think Scout are a position now in their business where actually they want to give as much value to their subscribers. I think gone are the days where you, you're going to see five, six, seven pay-per-views a year. Um, for us as a business, it hurts because we want to put on the biggest fights we possibly can. So when you work so hard, whether it's Taylor Catcher or Eubank Smith to make them happen and an injury happens a few weeks out, that's tough. But in those situations, you can only do the right thing and you know, you know whatever you do, you're going to get criticism. But the fact that we gave Lawrence his fight and the fact that, that we kept the card on and we had to put a card in Manchester that should have never been in Manchester, but you have a duty in those situations. And similarly here, you know, Marshall Cruz now headlines Manchester Arena and we have an unbelievable card. So, yeah, I think as a business we take a hit because transparently, you know, those are the big nights, those are the nights that you're in the sport for. Um, but I think what's key for us is the fighters that we're developing coming through. That's where we see our future. And, um, and that's our focus, to be honest, day to day. And if a Eubank Jr. rematch doesn't materialise for Liam Smith, have you got a plan for him moving forward? Could we potentially see um, a shot against you know, Janabek, which was talked about before? Look, Liam Smith has so many options and credit to him. He's, he's worked for that position. I know he wants to become a two-weight world champion or a two-time world champion at least. And uh, massive, massive fights for him. I still believe the Eubank rematch does happen. I have said that a few times. Um, but let's see. And... Um, yeah, Liam Smith is a is a is a top top quality fighter, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him back. To be honest, well, we sort of a, a man that's been talked about today is Dan Aziz, and the WBA came out um, saying that they've ordered, or I don't. It was a sort of a press release. I don't really know what it was, to be honest. Um, Joshua Batsy versus uh, Dan Aziz for a WBA uh, eliminator for the title of Dimitri Bivol, um, August 19th. Um, can you sort of shed more light on that? Is that what we're potentially seeing? Look, it has been. Uh, both fighters have agreed to fight each other. I'd seen so many rumours about where that fight is. 
when it's happening, what date it's on, until it comes from us, it isn't it isn't the case. And but yeah, it's a it's a fight that I think every British boxing fan knows how good that fight would be um, for Dan Aziz to be in these big nights, but also for Joshua Bowatsi to have these big nights. That's why he wants to he wants the fights where he's going to have the biggest possible audiences, and uh, and Dan Aziz wants the best fights that he could possibly be in. That's what he's done all his career for, and. Yeah, unbelievable fight. It definitely will happen. Um, but yeah, the dates and the venues and locations, I don't know where, where it comes from, to be honest. Well, I know the sort of venue you're talking about is obviously Brighton was the one that we mentioned. So both of them aren't from Brighton. So what would be the reason if this of, of sort of putting a show there, if that's what you plan to do? But there's, like, again, I don't know where half the stuff comes from. I mean, I see so much and I appreciate his boxing and certain people are talking to certain people. But unless it comes from us... I've, you know, I've seen so many things around this fighter being a free agent or this or this or that happening. The one thing that is right is Bawatsi and Aziz have agreed to fight each other. And that's it. But but another thing I'll say is if you if there was ever looking at a show at different areas, is it important to sort of be switching up? Because I know you said in an interview with Danny with Seconds Out, you were sort of talking about that you don't want to be always going to the sort of the same locations. But even if you do shows in Brighton, like we do the one in Bournemouth, is it good to get these unique shows that are sort of all over the place, really? I think in British boxing needs something different. We see the same thing every week sometimes, and it's like, oh, this again. And, and, and I know fans get frustrated, so Bournemouth was a great experience for us. Brighton is a great city. We think that's going to be a great place for, for fights in the future. But, of course, we want to go to different places. But, all, again, unless it comes from us, it's not really happened. And just sort of last one for me, I know I've kept you for a, for a while, but obviously we saw the, the week that came out, the, the news that came out last week of the IBF order in uh, Patai versus Richard Rekpour. Is there much of an update on that? Yeah, it's the fight that's going to happen next and uh, I think it's going to happen very soon as well. And uh, yeah, hopefully in next week we'll have news. In the UK? That's what we're working on, that's what we hope for, that's what I think the fans want to see. Um, so yeah, hopefully in the next week. Ben, we've been, uh, we've been going for a long time, so I appreciate you taking the time to speak to me. Uh, it's been good to chat to you. Uh, all the best, mate. Thank you for your time, mate. Sports Social Podcast Network.